Hi, and welcome to the CSA Podcast. My name is Jason Gale, and I'm joined here by Dr. Ben Smith. And today we're going to be covering, in our second episode here, we're going to be covering the book Leisure, the Basis of Culture by Joseph Pieper. Joseph Pieper was a Thomist who was writing during the uh, 1950s, and he wrote this little book, or actually I should say this little essay on leisure being the basis of culture. It's one of Dr. Smith's favorite little essays. And so, mm-hmm. uh, Dr. Smith, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit more about it? Thank you, Jason. I appreciate the opportunity to uh, talk about this text. I think it's uh, an excellent text. I think it's emblematic of what we want to do at Catholic Studies Academy, um, what we want to, the kind of perspective that we want to expose uh, our students to. And so that's one of the reasons why um, I thought it was important for us to to talk about this uh, text at the beginning um, of our courses and at our initial launch. Uh, this text is uh, uh, a great text uh, in the way that a lot of philosophical texts are great um, when they uh, bring up a surprising thesis that provokes wonder. Uh, as you probably know, Jason, um, according to Aristotle, philosophy is born in wonder. And so uh, this any text that qualifies as a great philosophical text is one that causes you to think, to st- uh, stimulates you to ask questions. And this is certainly one of those texts. Um, so the surprising uh, topic, really, of this um, text is that um, is the question of leisure and its relationship to work. Uh, this might sound like a surprising thing to think about for a philosopher, but actually, it's a topic that has been considered uh, within the um, the philosophical tradition uh, quite frequently, uh, and I think it's especially important in our own day. Yeah, no, I agree with you, especially because. Even within education today, there's a movement away from the liberal arts, uh, a movement towards the STEM. Mm-hmm. And so uh, uh, when when the arts, whether it be philosophy, theology, just English literature, things like that gets sure. set aside or all different kinds of literature gets set aside for these more practical uh, practical jobs. I remember there was a, a recent advertisement I heard about this uh, this candidate that was running for office, and he mm-hmm. said, "Education is K to J," and I was and I was like, "What does that mean?" And he said, "Kindergarten to job." Right, right. You yeah, know, there's yeah. this, there right. is this uh, uh, focus within education today mm-hmm. that is strictly towards uh, what people will will go on to call, you know, the servile arts. Sure, sure, yeah, absolutely. And the and the sense that that the only or primary goal of education uh, is about uh, professional uh, development. Yeah, I think one of the one of the interesting things I found about uh, uh, Peeper's book here uh, was, you know, his explanation of what leisure actually is, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, sure. uh, and that uh, uh, its relationship to building up culture, but at the same time, culture is it, it has to exist in order for leisure uh, to happen. Right. Right. Um, what did you, what did you find about, uh, uh, about that aspect, about his definition of leisure? Well, first, uh, uh, of course, it's important to be clear about what, how we're going to define leisure. Yeah. Um, uh, and how people do, uh, defines it. And like any good philosophical argument, he, he starts with, uh, his definitions and these definitions are, are fairly classical. Uh, when he's talking about leisure, he's talking about an operation, an activity. So it does involve an expenditure of energy. So it doesn't leisure doesn't mean just being listless or just sort of laying around on the couch. Uh, leisure is an activity, but it's an activity that is for its own sake, that's only or primarily for its own sake, rather than for the sake of something else. 
Um, this means that leisure is valued, a, a leisure activity is one that you would do regardless of whether or not you receive compensation for it, regardless of whether or not you were paid for it, uh, just because you value that thing uh, for its own sake, that activity. Um, perhaps, uh, you know, there's several examples we could talk about that would be helpful here. Uh, one would be uh, something like um, a, a really good conversation uh, with a genuine friend. So when you have those kinds of conversations that are uh, valuable, that are uh, almost maybe sometimes sort of transformative, I like to call them the three-hour philosophy lunch, uh, <laughs> that when you have those kinds of conversations, uh, those would be examples of things that are valuable for their own sake. Rarely do you sit around with someone for three hours talking about philosophy simply for the sake of networking, right? Uh, you do it because you love the thing, right? You love uh, you love thinking about the ideas, Um or it might be talking about uh, the nature of love or whatever it may be, you know, that uh, those kinds of conversations with friends uh, who are genuine friends is, an, I think, a good example of the kind of activity that Aristotle and Joseph Pieper have in mind when they're thinking about leisure. Yeah, and he does make the, the distinction, which I found uh, fairly interesting, that, but, you know, while at the same time, leisure may have kind of, it, it has no use. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, it's useless mm-hmm. in the in the most mm-hmm. right sense of the term. Mm-hmm. Um, that's per- but that's precisely what makes it so valuable, right? Is that right. it's useless, right? Yeah, it has no other use except mm-hmm. it, except within itself. But it, it's but it's also it cannot also be reduced in our modern terms. It can't be reduced to simply leisure is what I do for fun. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it's not entertainment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it's 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 actually quite the opposite sure. of of entertainment. Mm-hmm. That it does that you know entertainment you know being this kind of mindless uh, mm-hmm. uh, interaction with with this or that. Sure. It can't be reduced to kind of our, our modern understanding of leisure. Um, but uh, uh, he goes on to even point that, you know, leisure to some degree was almost synonymous with the school. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. So uh, I would come back to that point about the school because that, that yeah. goes with education and ideas about contemplation. But what they would say is, you know, um, that I, I think that, with the issue of play or frivolous entertainment, uh, I think that you know you could recognize that maybe there's a there is a place for friv- for frivolity for play within one's life, right? Um, right. That you know uh, if, if it was all work, right, and and all leisure and all seriousness all the time, <laughs> that might be a bit much. Uh, that there is a play for a place for frivolous play within work. However, I mean within our lives. However. Uh, Aristotle, you know, also makes it clear, and, and Pieper is following Aristotle in a lot of ways, that a life of play, a life dedicated to frivolity, right, is itself frivolous uh, and not yeah. worthy of man. Um, so I would say if your leisure, if your entertainment is only fun, right, or if it's right, only right. frivolous, then that would be a problem. Uh, if your entertainment has some frivolity to it, that's probably fine. But um, but the majority, when we're thinking about leisure, it could be entertaining, uh, but it has a serious side, right? So I would think of something like, you know, enjoying, as I say, a great conversation, or maybe enjoying a thoughtful drama, right? So a dramatic piece that that was both entertaining, say the the witty banter in uh, a Jane Austen novel, for example, but also does a good job of illustrating character uh, and helping us to think about. Um, uh, friendship and helping us to think about love and things of that nature. Right. 
so I just wanted to, to make a note about that. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, but it, it, it does it can't be equated to, you know, binge watching my Netflix whatever that's right. my Netflix I agree. I agree. That, that's, that's right. not how we should define uh-huh. leisure in, I agree. Our, in our culture today. I agree. So, and, and there's a temptation to think of it that way. Oh yeah, absolutely. Right. In which case it basically comes down to just blowing off steam. And it would be hard to think about blowing off steam as something that's better than work. Right? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's what what a lot of people though they're they're kind of the, the, the general cycles maybe within the, the modern person mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. that they go to their work, then they come home and uh, they, they, they enter into entertainment or, mm-hmm. you know, however, whatever that may be, or they mm-hmm. enter into these, these other things. But, you know, what are, so what would you say for, for, for people here? What are, what are kind of the, the basic or the central questions he's trying to, to get at, trying mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. Uh, expose? So uh, the, I would say the central questions really are whether or not uh, leisure is better than work and why leisure is the basis of culture. And these are very surprising theses or mm-hmm. questions really for uh, um, a modern person. And um, uh, people along with St. Thomas Aquinas and Aristotle both answer both of these questions in the affirmative. That is, uh, indeed, le- leisure is better than work, and that um, uh, leisure is the basis of culture. Um, the definitions help us to think about this. So, if leisure is work, um, um, that is sorry. If leisure is an activity that's for its own sake, work is activity that is primarily or only for the sake of something else. Um, so both involve an expenditure of in- energy, right? So both involve mm-hmm. some effort or labor to them. Um, but a leisure activity is one that's for its own sake, whereas a work activity is primarily for the sake of something else. I think in our own time, uh, and Pieper points this out, that means uh, in most contexts for the sake of money. Uh, that is, uh, it's a way to make a living, to acquire um, um, the means of life, to acquire income, and certainly uh, people doesn't think there's anything wrong with that, or that it's bad, right? It's in fact it's necessary, uh, but um, and there's some some kind of some tensions here, I think, within even the the uh, Catholic move of thought, but that um, uh, that leisure really is better than work, um, that activity for its own sake is better than activity that's um, merely or only or primarily for the sake of the means of life. Yeah. Yeah. And I think even when we uh, uh, when you're looking at, you know, uh, what is good? Mm-hmm. Are there higher goods? Are there lesser goods? Sure. Which, you know, I think that that kind of even that even those distinctions, I think, are something that our world kind of sets aside mm-hmm. where they'll just kind of uh, um, uh, just flatten everything and say, well, if it's good, I sh- it's OK for me to do well. Sure. But we never really ask ourselves, you know, is there a higher good? Mm-hmm, Maybe mm-hmm. I should choose that over one of the lesser goods. Sure. sure. You know, so I'm mean, just say, you know, is, is, is just because we say, or just because Peeper says, you know, that leisure is better, does that, that doesn't mean that uh, uh, work is bad. Right. But right. it just means that leisure is a higher good and one mm-hmm. that should be uh, respected because it is it is uh, for the betterment of the human mm-hmm. person in a different way that that work is, and even in a higher way. Sure, yeah. I think one of the things you're pointing out there is one of the things that uh, I think we run into all the time in contemporary thought is the inability to think um, in terms of a hierarchy of goods. 
Um, Ooh, that's a know. scary word. <laughs> Hierarchy. <laughs> Hierarchy is actually a wonderful thing to think about because it allows you to say, well, something is good and something needs to be done, right? So the, the work does need to be done and that it's good and worthy. And it's not necessarily uh, in competition with leisure or should not be because leisure is better, right? So, you know, you have something that's good, but you also have something that is better. They're not sort of on the same plane. So I should order one set of goods to another. You think about, say, the good of, um, you know, your relationship with your wife and the good of, um, say, um, uh, your work. Well, you know, certainly you your work is good and to be valued, but you should also be able to see clearly that your relationship with your wife is a better kind of good. Uh, that's what than, she tells me. That's, <laughs> that's right. Uh, then, then say the good of, of the work and you would want to order one to the other, right? Of course, the 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 goodness of uh, say family life um, also helps us to see why it's good to work right yeah but we yeah. also recognize that that really the work is for the sake of the good of family life right, right so right. that once I've attained what's what work is really for really I should be putting my energy more into family life or contemplation or prayer or whatever it may be yeah and I think that's one of the things that's that's you know uh, baffling uh, to me today is that you know for for as much as technology has done for us, because mm-hmm. I mean, you look at you look at advertising. Everything says you know you can do this faster, do this mm-hmm. quicker, do this more mm-hmm. efficient. You know, uh, uh, our team will come in and we'll make your company run you sure. know twenty percent more efficient or whatever. Sure. But but for whatever reason, the the modern person still finds themselves working 60, 40, 60 hours, mm-hmm. sure. eighty hours a week. Like we're still quote unquote, working the same amount of time, mm-hmm. even though we have these tools at our advantage uh, um, uh, to to work more efficiently and to actually provide more room sure. for those higher goods. That's right. Yeah, actually, what, the, what a lot of these uh, innovations in technology means that you can work while you're at home. You can work at night. You can work while you're on vacation. You can work Sunday morning. You can work really anytime, right? <laughs> Which actually means that instead of these things you know, really giving us more space for leisure, they actually uh, tend to uh, um, take away uh, from our time and our energy for leisure and for those things that are actually um, good for their own sake. And I think that goes to the central, one of the central problems we have, right, in our society, one of our central challenges, one that people, I think, was seeing kind of at a distance, uh, which is that uh, we really don't get this lesson. We don't recognize um, that that leisure is better than work, we tend to think of maybe the best good as being um, um, the kind of good that is market good, the market good, the good of money, the good of the prestige of your career, uh, the good of the power that comes with your career. And again, I think this comes, uh, part of this has to do with the inability to think hierarchically. I mean, we could recognize that there is, a, there is a good to career, but that that is subordinate to higher goods. Uh, so I think one of the key things in, in really advancing Peeper's insight here is to understand why leisure is better than work. Yeah, and he even says that leisure is more more human. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what is that? How would how would you uh, uh, define that, or maybe take us through his argument of why leisure is better than work? Yeah. So the, the fundamental reason, as you just said, is that uh, leisure is more human. It's better for us as human beings. So why is it more human? Well, one sort of simple stab at it, um, and then there's a more complicated one. But more one simple. Uh, way of recognizing this is that a human being is more than a worker. Um, it's an interesting thing to observe, as Pieper does, 
that both capitalist and communist very often make the same mistake anthropologically. Mm -hmm. That is, they tend to define the human person in economic terms and market terms exclusively. Yeah. As if man was only a worker and that his value was only in uh, being a worker. And you see this very tragically, you know, when people uh, become much older, rather than being sort of uh, revered elders of the tribe or of the community or the village, very often, you know, they feel um, useless and unimportant because they aren't any longer earning a wage, which is a good indication of, of just how much, how far we've gone in, even if it's just at a subconscious level, identifying ourselves and defining ourselves as workers. So one of the things that's great about leisure is it helps us to um, uncover ourselves, discover ourselves as something that is more than our market definition. Oh, yeah. And I think this was, I mean, I think this is kind of one of the main uh, or, or the common points of any of those isms that are out there mm -hmm, mm -hmm. is that they 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 simply reduce the human person to something that they're not, or right. they, they they say the totality of the human person is you know only their emotions or only their mm -hmm. only what uh, they think or in this case only w what they can contribute as a worker. Sure. Uh, whereas you know again the Catholic approach and the Catholic anthro anthropology is that the human person is more that mm -hmm. in being made in the image and likeness of God yep. that has real that has real implications sure absolutely. you know so w what do you think some of the important implications are for when you know peepers laying this out saying that it it that this leisure it it actually cultivates mm -hmm. our mm -hmm. humanity and I like, and I like that word cuz you know it just brings about uh kind of that uh some of those you know farmer terms that's right you yeah, know it, growth, it cult yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Right. yeah that's right that it, that it is something that's somewhat natural mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. which which you know tells me that it's again go, goes back to that christian anthropology of something that has to do with the way that God made us. Yeah, sure. Uh, so I think uh, there's a couple of things here. Without trying to be exhaustive or comprehensive, uh, Pieper points out a couple of things in particular. Uh, one would be the arts, so both the fine arts and the liberal arts. Mm -hmm. These are things that are uh, skills, operations, activities that are really for their own sake. They have to do with the display of beauty, the communication of truth and of insights and understanding. Um, this brings out a lot about the human person, right? And a lot about us that goes beyond just the marketplace. When we think about what's just beautiful for its own sake, um, we have discussions about justice and so forth. Uh, in addition to that, uh, genuine friendships, or I should say virtuous friendships are for their own sake. So those kinds of friendships we have that make us better, that, uh, help us to enjoy in which we share in virtuous activities. Those are things that are desirable for their own sake, you know, regardless of their market value. Uh, and uh, third would be, of course, contemplation. Uh, now, that sounds like a, it's a very foreign word, I think, uh, within a modern culture. Yeah. Um, maybe not to every culture, but to our sort of Western modern culture in particular. Uh, it seems sort of more opaque. But basically, when you think about contemplation, you should think about it as um, a kind of cognitive activity that involves appreciation, right? So you're appreciating the value, the intricacy of something. You're trying to understand it. Um, uh, you're sort of being receptive towards it uh, for its own sake. So when you say, for example, study um, uh, something about, you know, say science or something about religion or culture or history, and you're doing that simply out of out of a delight 
to find the truth in it and to see what's interesting about it. That is a contemplative activity, and it's an activity that most bespeaks a, a, you know, our human nature, right? As, as people who can appreciate the good, who can appreciate the true, uh, who can appreciate the beautiful without only seeking to use those things for our own ends. Yeah, and I think that's, uh, you know, in that point right there, I think is really what, what or one of the points that, that really distinguishes you know, how Peeper's talking about leisure from how the modern person would say, well, leisure, are the uh, those are those things that I do for fun, which mm-hmm, many mm-hmm. times they, they reduce those to uh, entertainment. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, right. leisure, it actually involves the, 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 uh, um, the, the positive entrance of the person into the, into the act that's whether that's, that's taking place, whether it be, mm-hmm. you know, reading a book, uh, you know, not just, you know, experiencing a sunset, but, you know, sure. entering into the beauty of a, of a piece of art or something mm-hmm. like that. Well, I think, you know, in general, having a contemplative attitude might also be the kind of person who can just sit and behold the, the sunset without necessarily taking a picture and posting it on Facebook <laughs> immediately, right? But oh, rather, yeah. rather actually just having the attitude and the disposition to uh, behold beauty and to appreciate it and, and, and to really engage with it. Uh, with your heart and mind. And the interesting thing about the photography side of this, right? Oh, it's, yeah. it's like, you're almost sort of like quantifying the moment or capturing the moment. A friend of mine told me uh, about a situation in which she was uh, in the, uh, the mountains and it was a beautiful, uh, they were surrounded by, her and her friend were uh, surrounded by a beautiful scenery. And, uh, and instead of uh, just sort of beholding the scenery and, and sort of taking it in, all of the other tourists were just taking pictures, taking selfies, and then walking away. Yeah. As if by taking the selfie with the beauty, that was enough, right? Rather than actually just sitting with the beauty. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember one of my most frustrating moments as a uh, as a, as a DRE was uh, we well one of them <laughs> one was, of them. <laughs> was uh, it was right before a confirmation mass, mm-hmm. and so you have a church. It was on a Thursday evening. Uh, um, uh, the church was full of people, full of people that were, you know, they were joy filled, sure. uh, because their children and grandchildren and relatives mm-hmm. were receiving the sacrament of confirmation. Um, but I mean, there was, it was literally probably five minutes before mass started and everybody was, was a buzz. People were, you know, running around mm-hmm. trying to sure. take pictures. Right. And it was, it was literally, you know, the, the moments were counting down and we tried to quiet them and now to, to no avail. And finally, you know, I went up to the Ambo and I, I simply said, you know, parents, grandparents, friends, family. I said, I said, mass is about to begin. I said, you know, you will never have this mass again to mm-hmm. pray for your mm-hmm. child, to right. enter into this mass, uh, to enter into this prayer uh, uh, you can take pictures of your child anytime, you know, <laughs> let's do it after, let's do it later. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now let's prepare ourselves so that we can enter into this. You know, I remember, uh, I think it was father Baron, you know, he used that term, you know, that the liturgy is one of the most useless things we do, right, right. you know, because again, it has no use. Yeah. It's, it's for its own sake, right. you know? And so I think, you know, that, that kind That's of important point. Yeah. That kind of, you know, uh, selfie or, you know, uh, kind of aspect of um uh, of how we how of how the modern person experiences things you know uh, uh put the phone down take take in <laughs> take in the actual sure. moment as opposed but and the human person kind of gets it because you know what are they saying when they're trying to uh, uh take a picture they say this moment is so great that i want to capture it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. whereas whereas you know the the and it's funny because i think the the opposite thing is 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 actually happening right. by them trying to capture 
something that is uncapturable, right, right. That's very they good. lose it all in the mm-hmm. end. You yeah, know? that's a very good point. Uh, now, what do you now? What do you think with uh, uh, this relationship that people talks about with uh, education? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that education should be for leisure. Yeah. So this touches on something you brought up earlier about the relationship between uh, leisure and school. Um, the uh, if leisure is a better activity than work. So if you if you accept that thesis that leisure is a higher form of human flourishing, that doesn't again demean work. Work is a way in which we can develop our humanity, but that leisure is a higher way of developing our humanity. That uh, If that's true, then our education, which is to ostensibly prepare us for life, to equip us to flourish as human beings, uh, should... And that's a good question, though, I guess. <laughs> Maybe I'm assuming too much, but I think uh, you are. If, if, uh, uh, if that's the case, and it should be, then, uh, then in fact, we should be educated to enjoy leisure. So one of the reasons I think it's very easy for us to fall into the trap of thinking that, um, that leisure is just blowing off steam or, 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 or playing video games or something like that is that we are not equipped to do things that are actually valuable for their own sake. The mm-hmm. best we can do is just kind of entertain ourselves. We haven't been um, taught any longer to read a long book. Uh, to read a long book that was written maybe even 50 years ago. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I've, I've, I've always been surprised and, and really a little baffled when students find C.S. Lewis impossible to read. I, 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 I oh, think wow. really, you know, like I get that it's, you know, some decades ago, but it's not reading the King James Bible or something of that nature. Yeah. So, uh, or Shakespeare or something. Uh, so, or um, Kant. Or Kant. Right, right. <laughs> but just even sort of like uh, the, the ability to appreciate those kinds of things, the ability to uh, be in nature and appreciate it, uh, not just have extraordinary adventures that you take uh, uh, pictures of, but actually just to appreciate nature, those sorts of things. So we're not educated for it. So people have a hard time doing it. Um, and I think that that's, that's a real failure in our educational process. And it actually ends up, it ends up being the, the, the case that in higher education, which it's supposed to be about this, right? It's supposed to be about helping us to realize our humanity. This often just gets shoved to the side for the sake of uh, that which is merely useful. Right, right. The servile arts. And, and I think also, I mean, I, I think a, a bit of this, you know, we can we could see it as an expression of of maybe an issue that's happening within the human person that mm-hmm. we don't have the ability to do this on the outside but and 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 so i think it, it stems from there's an inner mm-hmm. uh, restlessness very important point. Yeah. Uh, um that this that we, we we do not have the ability to sit still mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we do not have the ability to simply to and, and, and by the full meaning of the word rest sure yeah that right. that you know rest all you know rest doesn't mean you know sitting on the sitting on the bed with your iphone <laughs> as opposed to sit as opposed uh, to standing with your sure, iphone sure. you know that, that that rest is kind of this it's it's not just something we do but it's it's an interior kind of mm-hmm. uh disposition to be able to enter into that and i think it shows itself in our culture i mean one mm-hmm. of the biggest problems that our society suffers from is is anxiety sure <laughs> good point i mean yeah, yeah. i mean it's just it's it's amazing how much anxiety anxiety and anxiety ridden problems mm-hmm. have taken over not just the adult world but also uh, uh children mm-hmm. more and more mm-hmm. children are on anxiety medicine mm-hmm. you know and i think it has to do with this with uh, uh overstimulation this, right right, <laughs> right right this and this this inability to 
to to be still to be mm-hmm. silent god mm-hmm. forbid you know i mean you know I, I you know i think one of the hardest things but one of the most best things we can do as catechists or as teachers you know is to take the kids to adoration mm-hmm. sure i mean there's a stillness there there's a silence there that mm-hmm. to those kids is going mm-hmm. to be eerie mm-hmm. it's going to be yeah. it's going yeah. to be interesting you know yeah. and it may even pique them as to say well what is here absolutely you know absolutely so with this with this idea that uh uh Leisure is uh, higher than uh, work. Mm-hmm. How then does how then do we move from leisure being higher than work to leisure forming a culture or cultivating mm-hmm. a culture? Mm-hmm. What is it? What is it, What exactly? Uh, how do you see that? Or how does people? Yeah. So I think one of the things that have uh, have in mind here is that um, Peeper has a, a a positive notion of culture as a shared way of life that cultivates the human spirit. So it's almost as if he's taking the idea of education and sort of expanding it into sort of a communal and social uh, level, Mm -hmm. right? And so that our culture, all those things within our society uh, where we have shared practices, shared values, uh, customs um, that cultivate us as human beings, um, but that a, a genuine culture like that, and maybe it's important to distinguish here because we could also talk about maybe failed cultures, <laughs> but a genuine culture, one that is a, a, a genuinely human culture, yeah. right, uh, is one that, that cultivates and helps develop uh, human nature and the, the human spirit. And that kind of culture really has to come from um, both contemplation and religion. Um, if we don't have the ability to appreciate the true and the good and the beautiful for their own sake, right? So yeah. if we don't have a, the ability to do that, then we will not um, be able to create uh, practices, customs, rituals, friendships that revolve around those things. One of my uh, one of my most uh, treasured uh, experiences is the experience I've had at different pla- different places, different institutions, where I've had the occasion to form communities of those who are interested in the study of philosophy, uh, very often with students, and they're often student-led groups. And what you would see there is a culture begin to develop, a culture of critical inquiry, a culture of friendship around the idea of seeking the truth, finding the truth, being engaged in arguments, right? But that that was possible because the people involved were the kind of people who cared about contemplation. There were people who had already engaged in um, thoughts about uh, truth and goodness and beauty for their own sake. Um, so that's just one small example where you could kind of think about how is it that culture grows out of contemplation religion? Culture, that is a, a social setting where the human spirit can develop presupposes uh, that um, a certain level of contemplation, right? That is a certain level of appreciating truth, goodness, and beauty. And I think one of the, the, the biggest struggles today is that uh, the, this idea of contemplation, you know, w- within a culture is that it actually makes you more open. Right. Uh-huh. To where, you know, like you were saying, you know, those, those, uh, uh, those students or, the, you know, those people, they could actually have... Uh, disagreeing arguments mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, in a civil in a civil manner because they were both open to the truth. They sure. had at that common uh, uh, starting point. Yeah. You yeah. know, where, whereas I think today many times you know culture can be or is being uh, you know reduced to whether it be you know identity politics sure. or or any of those things that some some uh, or marketing right or or just <laughs> yeah. you know anything that that really uh, and, and what and it's 
the opposite of what uh, Peeper's talking about here is being being open to that 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 when culture is is created for the human person to become more human in themselves and mm-hmm. the, their, those mm-hmm. natural virtues and things mm-hmm. like that, that it actually makes them more open to life, more open to the world around themselves. Whereas, you know, many times what we see today is an, an, a closing in of ourselves sure. Sure. where where we're not open to these other things because, no, I'm this way or right. that is bad because sure. that is associated with this other group or something like that. Right, because we don't have that sort of contemplative attitude of appreciation, you know, receptivity, those sorts of things. I think that that's probably, yeah, uh, very true. Um, one last thing, I know we're running close here on uh, time, but I wanted to, to mention the connection that Peeper makes between leisure and religion, religion. Uh, because it's actually really important and I think very um, somewhat provocative and food for thought. Uh, one of the things uh, that he notes is that religion, uh, if you think about sort of the religious practices and religion in terms of, say, the um, carrying out of the, the mores and the customs, that you can think of that as an, act, uh, as an activity, almost kind of a, a useful kind of work, but that there is uh, something that higher than that within religion, and that the highest aspect of religion is the leisure part of religion. Uh, and that's where we come to... Um, the contemplation of God, the adoration of God, and the worship of God. Uh, and this is something that used to be widely recognized, right? That the, the pinnacle of religious life is, in fact, useless <laughs> and, and, and valuable because it's useless, because it goes beyond this world. I mean, I think, um, you know, uh, Dr. Bolzakelli could speak to this more directly, but one of the things that, that's really interesting in, in the Judeo-Christian tradition, right, is Sabbath rest. Yeah, uh, you know, like the the pinnacle of creation is resting and yeah. just delighting in what in what's been made. Um, that that's ultimately uh, our goal. Our goal is to reach a point of rest with God and uh, with those united to God. Yeah, and I think the 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 pragmatism that we experience mm-hmm. that's so prevalent in our culture today. Th- it, it just shakes its head at you. Just, what, are you what are you saying? That you, what do you mean useless? We're, we're, we're a pragmatic people. We are an efficient people, right, sons right. of the industrial sure. revolution. But, you know? but this, even invades, this even invades the church and people with religious, you know, with a religious background where we think, well, the only useful things are doing X, Y, and Z, are, are things that are quantifiable, are programs uh, that are quantifiable, all those sorts of things. And while all of that has its place and is important, no, yes. okay. Nevertheless, right, there is something higher, right? Uh, and, uh, you know, this is something consistent in the tradition of the church that the contemplative life, the life of um, contemplative prayer, we should, you know, we can't all be doing that all the time. Right. But that that is, in fact, uh, an aspiration. It's an eschatological sign of what we are to become. Yeah. And it's proper to, I think, the spiritual health of the human person. Absolutely. You know, and I think that's especially why the church holds, you know, the mass. And those things in such high regard, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, even to the point of obligation, if you, sure. if you, if you can believe me there, you know, <laughs> that, that, that because it is that highest good right. uh, for the human person and really brings together and points them, like you said, uh, to the eschaton, to what is to come. Yep. yep. Um, so that does it for us today on our second episode. We hope you join us next time. Uh, until then, uh, check us out at catholicstudiesacademy.com. And uh, we'll see you later, and God bless.